Hi, welcome to the Silver Lining. This is GFT's series of podcasts around about the, the cloud industry and the marketplace as whole. Uh, my name's Carl Havard, uh, and I'm delighted to have with me today Andrew Roster, who's the CTO of GFT Atlantic. Hi, Andrew. Hey, Carl. Uh, very pleased for you to be here. Would you like to give the, the audience a little bit of an intro of your background and yourself? Uh, yeah, I, uh, as you mentioned, I'm the uh, Atlantic CTO. Um, Atlantic for GFT is the is the US and the UK. I mean, I started work nearly 30 years ago, so um, I think everyone would have uh, quite a potted history. But um, I've done a, a variety of roles, a couple of CTO roles. I've um, started a couple of um, internet startups. Um, and then I've run you know, very small teams or led very small teams and, and led very large teams. Um, but predominantly within uh, financial services, yeah, that's right. And, and, and I guess um, over the last few years, cloud has played a, an instrumental part in, in what you've done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, certainly for the um, at least the past uh, three years. Um, I'd also like to think actually back in um, 2000 when we had uh, I had a, a startup with a few um friends that we were trying to do cloud technology back then it just wasn't called uh, cloud technology <laughs> yeah so so um i'm thinking you know in, in your role at gft you've also worked with a, with a lot of organizations enterprise scale across a number of sectors now that are trying to move into the cloud or make cloud or have several clouds as part of their their real estate um from an IT point of view. So a question to you then on, on the state of plays, from a business and technology perspective, what's your view on the current state of the cloud and hybrid marketplace? Uh, well, I guess first off, that's, that's a big, big expansive question. Um, I think, uh, and uh, like most um, answers, uh, it, it depends, I guess. But I, I think there's some, there's some key things. I think around the, the business, I think, is is very interesting because I think you know one of the you know the whole um, kind of big premises of the cloud was to was to be able to do business in a different way. And if you if you look at the companies that are you know born in the cloud, as it, it said, you know they have been able to generate significant um, you know new business value by being you know, agile or responding to demands in a better way. Um, you know. Um, you know a number of new clients, that kind of um, demand, maybe reaching new markets, um, new geographies, and and you can see the born in the cloud companies that have you know embraced that. I think what's interesting is that those companies that are, have a legacy and are moving to the cloud, um, you know, it seems very you know very potted as to which ones have actually seen any real benefit from a from a, a, a business point of view. I think. Yeah, you know, a lot of them, a lot of those companies are still kind of completely bogged down in the just the mundane aspects of moving to the cloud, and it, it's taken a lot longer than they expected, I think, to to get to the cloud, in a way that can transform um, transform the business. So that's that's on the business side, and then I guess on the second part of your question about the the technology. Um, I mean, again, I think you know the, the, the difference is clear. Those companies born in the cloud tend to have obviously much lower technical legacy, um, and so can do things in the new way. But e even then, we've seen some of those companies struggle with the, with the pace of change. 
Um, you know, there've been some, uh, you know, without embarrassing any financial services companies, but there've been some, um, you know, technical failures um, of some of the fintechs, which is surprising, perhaps, um, given that they're, they're, they're on new technology. And I think on the the, the more incumbent um, companies, you know, the, the the technology is moving. It's a cliche, but it is it is moving so fast, and everything is changing so quickly on the cloud. You know, as you've got three very big American companies competing with each other, you know, Amazon, Google, and and um, uh, Microsoft. Um, you know, the, the the pace of technology change is so high. I I, I think those companies with a legacy environment are, are really struggling. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because um, there's various stats out there. I think the CIO.org has got one of the most interesting ones that says about 51% of organisations that have tried to um, move an application or embrace the cloud have either stalled or failed. They're probably coming from that point of view that you're saying. So they've got a legacy a legacy uh, on-premise infrastructure that maybe their mindset is lift and shift. Um what do you see, though? I mean, from, from the clients that you've worked with, when you engage with them, everyone's coming from a different start point. What do you see as the, as, as the key issues that they are, they're really struggling with? Actually, you, yeah, you mentioned two two key words there for me. You know, you mentioned, you know, start point and mindset. Um, and I think, you know, fundamentally, I think people need to review what they're actually doing this for, other than the fact that you know, maybe some of their competitors are doing it. But but what is the, rather than what's the start point, what is the end point that the client wants? And I think very few clients really understand the end point of what they're trying to achieve. They, they can they can see a journey. I mean, there's plenty of cloud adoption frameworks and you can find on the on the web that will, will give you a journey, but they don't really describe why you're doing that journey and what the endpoint is, and you know, and I, and I think that's just being lost in this this entire process. And and also, you know, the, the process itself. You mentioned mindset. You know, the process itself is as important as the, you know, the journey is is, is uh, as important as the destination because during that journey, you can completely rethink the way that you do your IT, and so you can have a completely different mindset. Um, around that, and, and I think again, a lot of companies are, are not embracing that at the beginning of their their journey. They're bringing a, an old on-premise way of doing things into their journey, um, and they're not achieving um, the kind of transformational cultural change that they could do. And they're also not ending up in a place that perhaps they they wanted to be. They've got a, an on-premise environment, but just happens to be hosted on the cloud. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. One of the um things you mentioned there was the cloud adoption framework. Um, and you, I think you're absolutely right. You know, the, 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 you do the search on the internet and you see some of the, the most respective consultancies out there. They, they have a cloud adoption framework, yet the reality is only half of organizations are success, successfully moving to, to the cloud. So what's your p opinion on the cloud adoption framework? Is it um, out of date as soon as it's written? Is, is it a, a waste of money uh, for, for a pile of paper or, or, or does it serve a purpose? <laughs> well, you mentioned, you mentioned, you know, two quite leading uh, aspects. <laughs> question on, on purpose, of course. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, the danger is it could turn into a very expensive pile of paper, right? That that's that's the danger, I, you know, as as in most things, and and you know, this you know, it's named as a framework, and of course, you know, it's up to you how you how you use a framework. So, 
you you could probably use a, uh, an adoption framework very successfully, but it's also very, very easy to, to think that it's a panacea uh, and just having a framework is enough. Um, and it's c clear from the stats you've mentioned, and of course there, there are lots of other stats like that about how um, you know, it, it's not as easy uh, moving to the cloud as just having a, a framework. So um, th obviously there is something wrong, right? Otherwise, um, you know, everyone would be migrating happily. And, and again, I think if, if, when I've looked at uh, a lot of the frameworks, I think, you know, they're, I would describe them as very left to right. So, you know, from if the left is the beginning of the journey and the right is where you want to be, they're very left to right. They, they, don't, they don't consider early enough what you want to end up with. Um, so it seems a, a kind of a formulaic, very non-agile, um, very prescriptive, doesn't really allow for innovation, you know, you know, painting by numbers, th those kind of terms that, like I said in, um, you know, in the previous thing we were just talking about, you know, the, the journey is, uh, the, the cloud adoption journey is important to get, um, you know, to introduce cultural change. And if you don't introduce that cultural change as part of your journey, and, you know, and I think frameworks probably stifle that more than encourage it, then you'll end up at the end of this process and wonder why you bothered. Yes, and spent all that money. Yes, yeah. all that time, maybe. Yeah, no, it, it's yeah. interesting. I think we talked about mindset, and uh, I wonder if the 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 ability to write a framework is like a, a comfort blanket, maybe for the for the advisors that have also come from that on-prem legacy world. Um, but I've I've heard you actually mention a few things um, like data center as code or framework as code, which I think implies you you've got a better way to approach these things. Well, I think. Um you know, automation is everything, right? You know, you know. Again, if we go back to the beginning of the conversation, we we're talking about the the business benefits and you know how you can reach new markets, um, new clients, how you can scale for unexpected events. You know, you can only really do that via automation. And and I guess at the the far end of that spectrum is things like AI and machine learning, where you can you can automate things that perhaps you haven't seen before. Um, so, you know, automation is is a key part of this journey, I think, and, and is a key part of uh, realizing business benefit. Um, and so if, if you're not automating as you go along, then again, what you'll end up with at the end of this process is a cloud environment, but it's very manual. And, and we've seen that, with, you know, plenty of clients struggle with this. Um, you know, have got to the, you know, got to, you know, infrastructure up on, on the cloud, but it's they're still creating everything in, in using manual processes and people have, you know, queues of tickets to deal with, whether that's creating networks or opening firewalls or creating storage, et cetera, et cetera. So if if the framework is is really um you know um you know, making that even more likely to happen, um, you know, because the framework itself is quite manual, then that's that's clearly a problem. And I think one of the things that we've really tried to do, and it's not an easy thing by any stretch, but it tried to do is to is to make the frameworks um, um, you know, something that you can automate. So everything within the framework is something that is automatable, if that's a word. I don't think it is, but I've just made it up. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, so framework as code sounds Sound, that sounds a bit sort of you know I don't know opaque, but um, you know you you everything in your framework you want to be able to have as something that's you could be automated and should be automated as part of your process. Mm. I mean uh, that makes a lot of sense because it, it you know is I think we said a framework is written 
um, and as soon as it's written, it, it, it's there. How do you get an organization to keep referring back to it and operate in the desired way? It's very difficult. But but if you can take that framework and put it into maybe a, a tool that's coded, which could control and advise the organization's teams and, and help them approach things in the right way, I mean, that has to be a benefit, I, I would have thought. Yeah, and repeatable, right? I mean, yeah. again, the key here is, you know, you know, you know, when factories are automated, you know, the, the point was to was to create things in a very repeatable, you know, um, you know, you know uh, way, you know, so that your widgets are all produced exactly the same, um, you know, and, and um, yeah, so that it, it's the same with, um, you know, in, in in the cloud. If you just say, I mean, if you look at say a cloud adoption framework, and you know, that, that probably encompasses, I would imagine, more than a thousand kind of items that you need to to cover off and just take just take one I'll pick one at random you know when when you create resources you know because it's on the cloud and it's in software you have to label the resources you you create so you know you can imagine you're creating thousands of thousands of resources over a period of time you know resources you know a virtual machine or some storage or you know, something like BigQuery or Aurora or all of those things they have to be labeled you know who who created it what was the cost center what was the business unit you know um, what, what of the permissions on on that resource if you don't just and that's this this item is just one of a thousand things in your framework that you have to do if you don't automate that and that's a manual process that's a that's a huge bottleneck right there right and, and that's yeah. just that's just one of the things yeah. <laughs> yeah which which you know i guess those stats now sort of add up don't don't they if, if just over half of organizations are stalling or failing to uh, to move onto the cloud in an effective way, it's probably because they keep referring back to this out-of-date manual that um, <laughs> trying well, to find pa page 350 clause <laughs> 96. But it's very well, you know. Uh, you know, again, I, you know, I was mentioning in my intro. You know, 30 years of working in IT. You know, um, it was in the just before the 2000s. I I just used, I used to have a pass that allowed me to get into the data center. You know, as a developer, you know, I just used, I just got one of the passes off one of the guys I knew, and he and I would go in there and install my own software in the data center. So, because um, that was the quickest way, <laughs> the quickest way of doing it. Um, you know, and obviously data centers have have evolved. You know, and, and you know, and managing a data center is is a, is a science, right? I mean, it, that's twenty, you know, a couple of decades of continual improvement on how to run a physical data center, but yeah. a software data center is completely Completely different, completely yep. different, and and yet we're trying to use the same processes for a um, physical data center, um, and then we wonder why we're not getting the business benefits or the other benefits that we want. Yeah, yeah. Um, this, the, I mean, it, it's not easy, and, uh, and I, th I think you know all the clients that you've engaged with, organisations with uh, GFT have engaged with, you know, that's one of the key things we 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 emphasise. So the mode of let's run a POC here, run a POC there is is very tempting to do, but actually that mm. that that can slow the process, can't it? Well, exactly, and and again, I think if you look at um, you know some of the cloud adoption frameworks, they you know I was mentioning earlier, they kind of move left to right, and on the left is kind of experimentation, and you, you th see things like minimum viable product or POC or POV, all, all these kind of terms, and and really that's they're just kind of um, creating familiarity with with the product and the environment, but you know a lot of all those you know those things that are done at, at that stage have to be thrown away. And if they're not thrown away, then they come back to bite you. And we've also seen, you know, some pretty big 
clients with very um, you know big IT teams with a lot of very clever people in in there having to abandon their cloud migration program and and kind of have a rethink and start again. Um, I, I do think the challenge is something that most people have not uh, had to face before. I mean, we haven't had this kind of process where you've gone from a physical data center to an entirely software-defined data center in, su in such a short time, and with so many companies trying to do it at the same time. You know, so, you know, normally these things are a bit more, you know, progressive, so it might happen over a decade. So you could find people who've done this two or three times before and hire them. Now it's very high, hard to hire anyone that's done this before. And yet we, you know, you know, senior leaders expect their teams to be able to just magic up a cloud environment in, in no time at all when the infrastructure is changing daily. You know, the, yeah. Companies are delivering software. You know, you've got the pressures of you know BAU. You know, the business as usual. You've got you know you know trying to understand the technology, learn the technology, bring your teams together. Yeah, it, it, you know, I'm surprised even 51 percent. Yeah, or 50-50. I'm. I think the other 50 percent just haven't realised they've failed yet, or maybe they're. <laughs> <laughs> Still waiting to maybe, yeah. So, so I mean, it is. I mean, I think you know, we, we look at organisations and and the business turns to the you know the IT leaders, the CIO mainly, and say, right, all that stuff you were you, you were doing over the last twenty years is great. We're now going to do this. Off you go. So, as well as all the things you mentioned, um, changing their mindset is, is is a challenge. So, final question then for you, Andrew. You mm. know. What, what would be your top three key recommendations then to organizations that are on this journey? What would you say to them? Why is it always three? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. If you've got more. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe fewer. Uh, well, I think, I think there are two things, and I think, I think I've kind of mentioned them. I, I think the, the really understanding the destination is really important, and that maybe sounds a bit trite, but it, it really is important. So many people concentrate on the beginning bits and, and worry about that. And they really forget why they're doing the cloud and what the end point is. So if the end point is business agility and full automation, well, you should make that part of the start of your journey and not just realize that half halfway through. That's that's number one. I think the, the other one, uh, I do only have two. The, the other one is that the journey really is important. The, the journey is a once in a decade chance to rethink the culture of how you, you know, manage, deliver, develop, innovate in, in IT. And if, if that isn't part of your journey, then you've, you've really missed out on something. Okay, that's great. Thank you. I do have a third, and that would be to tune into our next uh, next podcast, of course. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> um, but no, thanks, Andrew. It's been a pleasure uh, chatting to you. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, then there'll be more on the way from GFT. Um, just keep a lookout for the silver lining. Thank you. <laughs>